2: Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by my co-host Alyssa Gadeski. And Alyssa, ah, uh, last week when we talked, I was on cloud nine. The weather was wonderful. The Olympics were in full swing, and now the weather is a little less wonderful. The Olympics are over. We still have two weeks before the Paralympics start. I need some good news. Are you off the Barkley wait list? Do we know for sure yet? Please, please tell me some good news haley, no
1: no good news updates for you, other than the fact that i'm I didn't get permanently lost in the woods in West Virginia. I got myself out of the woods um, okay. from the navigation race I did this past weekend. So that's good news that I'm here in person. And I'm I didn't even know this about was my navigation a skills. risk.
2: <laughs> like I'm so kind of glad that I didn't even know it was a risk that you might be lost in the woods in West Virginia forever. Um, I yeah, I think that this I'll just take that as my win.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. T- and I survived. Let's see, in the last week, what's sixteen plus four? That's twenty plus eight. Twenty eight hours of driving, Haley, <sighs> in the last like ten days. Yeah, that was that was a lot of driving, but um. I got things accomplished and I I'm back home. So I do apologize for our listeners, my sound quality. I'm just on my headphone microphone again today because I couldn't find my proper microphone. It's buried somewhere in some suitcase of something. Um, But I am back home. And after a training trip to Tennessee to check out frozen head state park, where I am hoping to run one day um, for the Barkley marathons, hopefully fingers crossed that it could happen maybe this year, Uh, but no updates there. But I plan to spend a few days training there and then on my way home, meander through West Virginia where Haley, there's a two day navigation race called the winter wildcat and, um, two 10 hour days. So you, it's just on foot it's, um, and you get a map and you have your compass and there's like points. So there's all these points on the map and each point has different point values And you can, like, strategize your approach to how you're going to go find them, get the points, all of that. Um, And it's super fun. It's a great way to learn navigation, practice navigation, all of that. It was my first time seriously racing as, like, a solo, right? Typically, I race often with my boyfriend, Matt. So he is really good at navigation and often takes the lead in that. And uh, I've been working really hard in these past few years to get my navigation better. So I was forcing myself... (laughs) to race as a solo this time and I did and Haley like I said I got out myself out of the woods I had to Saturday I would call like mildly successful what does <laughs> Sunday that Sunday I would call I mean it was like you got a little I, bit lost
2: but not yeah I, I
1: definitely got lost and I but I I got lost at very opportune times I recognized on Saturday because Basically, every time I started to feel really lost, another team would come along. And then it always helps to have just, like, more eyes and more brains working to, like, figure out what's going on. And then, so I I had, like, a major safety net, I feel like, on Saturday to really make sure, you know, but I didn't feel like I did a lot on my own. Like, I felt like I kind of had these people coming in to save me every time I was in a bad spot. Um, Sunday, there were a few less people racing both days, so less people out there to be running into. I really forced myself to be solo a little bit more and um, and not kind of just like shadowing people I might have seen and like known or something on the course. And I think I did really well on Sunday. I'm pretty proud with how I did. Um, I have, you know, it's it's I could probably do like a whole nerdy navigation podcast, right? So I'm not going to bore people with all of the details, but it, it does take a while to learn to be able to like see the map and to see the features of the land and like how it's laid out and to then go one step further and then to be able to like route plan efficiently so that you're not just wasting tons of energy going up and down things that you shouldn't be having to do. And something clicked on Sunday where I was like, man, now I need like a third day. So I could actually like put this into use for the third day. But um, it was, it was nice to be down South a little bit, get out racing, kind of test my navigation skills, give me a little bit more confidence in case I do get off the wait list for the Barkley marathons and, um, yeah, it was a fun, fun, successful weekend. Although Haley, you can see our listeners can't see it, but I am covered in briar scratches. I have like a really big one on my neck and my arms and my legs. And, um, so those always take a few days to heal, which is, it's it's like fine until you go to the pool and you look like something terrible happened to you. And,
2: like, like a mountain lion, you know, a mountain lion got yeah. to you, like a very large <laughs> like, cat. My
1: hairless cat was like attacking me or something. I don't know. Like that uh, Friends episode, wasn't that in Friends? Did you watch
2: Friends? I don't remember that. I did watch Friends, but I oh. I don't have like a. I'm not a Friends encyclopedia like some people. Oh, okay. I um I will add though. You look better than that one time when you showed me the pictures of your friend who had frostbite on his toes. So <laughs> that's that one still haunts me a little bit. Um, and I asked you this before, but have you, you haven't seen the show yellow jackets? Have you? So, Oh, Oh, did you watch it? You did ask me this. So yeah, I was in (laughs) Tennessee and I had like nothing to watch, but I had, um,
1: (laughs) so I had brought my trainer and stuff. And so I needed things to watch while I was doing some spinning in the evenings while I was there. And I was like, well Haley said I could just watch like this is like binge worthy and I was just like in the mood to start something new so oh, no. you did warn me you did preface it with like you shouldn't watch this before you're alone in the woods but I was like I can totally do it or this even fine, with a group right? in the woods <laughs> yeah and I started watching I think I'm halfway through I think I'm on episode five of ten Whoa. and yeah. yeah no I watched it a lot I was like really into it because I had nothing else to do last it week didn't other than, like, it didn't make you afraid in the woods Well, no, but the funny thing was, I did watch it. I had one day where I made myself practice being out in the dark in the woods. And um, that that was like, I had to actually focus on not letting my mind wander to like anything it couldn't. And you can, you can be like, you know, like, I'm just not going to think about this. And like, so I, I had to make the active decision to, like, tell myself, like, this is a real possibility that, that you could get scared, you know. But, like, I, I thought through all of that. And I was, like, aware of the situation at hand. And it didn't, it didn't scare me in the woods. So that was good. But I am enjoying the show. Okay. I think it's a fun, like, trainer show for sure.
2: I, I tried to watch like the finale season or episode 10 on the trainer and i had to i had to watch i had to change to the j-lo um romantic comedy <laughs> it was too much but um for anyone who is hasn't i've only listened, been like
1: easy spinning basically while i'm watching it so i feel like that's it was, that's fine for anyone it's it's a
2: little bit intense like the premise okay. is uh for anyone who hasn't watched it it's on showtime but you can watch the first episode for free or you could then you can get like a one month membership for free but it's like a soccer team, a high school soccer team in the, in the nineties, they're playing crashes and in the woods. And so it's, and how that unfolds. Um, it's a little bit gory. It's a little bit scary. If you're like not into scary movies or if unlike Alyssa, you actually get scared if you happen to be in the woods by yourself. Um, it probably isn't the best show to be watching when you're in the woods by yourself, but it's also fun. And I can't wait to, I can't wait for you to finish it, Alyssa. And we can like chat about it. We can have a side podcast about <laughs> Okay. <laughs> with all theories. Yeah. <laughs> but if anyone of our listeners, if anyone has uh watched it and ha- wants to like theorize with us, um, maybe we can start like a special like Iron Women Yellow Jackets group and um uh <laughs> right into our mailbag, women podcast at gmail dot com. I I love pop culture and I love like shows and that is one thing about spending a lot of time the trainer is that you get through a lot.
1: Yes, yeah. It really that's I mean When I'm training a lot, that's the only way I watch shows. So it's uh, much appreciated. And, I, yeah, I like that. Um, And it's not too scary. I don't know. It's a little bit far-fetched. I think that's what helps me really um, compartmentalize the scariness. So I recommend it, too, for people who might be on the fence. And, yeah, I did the one-month Amazon Prime, which forces you to binge watch it. So that'll be It'll be over soon.
2: <laughs> when you when you are in Berkeley, because this is going to happen, but um, you can work with other people with some navigation. Would you trust other people, or were you going to be like, no, 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 I'm really good at navigating. Um, I am going to. This is the right way to go. It- yeah, it depends a lot, I think, on the person. Do you know um, who else is in? Is that like a public list or is this secret until like everyone shows up? It's not public.
1: Some people have said that they're in. Like it's kind of up to the runner to say that they're in or not if they is it want anyone to. anyone you um, like that's in or
2: anyone you hate? <laughs>
1: um, I, I'm pretty sure uh, – I don't know if she's officially announced it. But like, you know, based on the fact that she's been there in the past recently and – um, I think she's like said she wants to go back. Like Courtney DeWalter should be there. Um is that a, Lewis, like or a hate? run. <laughs> oh, like. I'm really excited. I hope I I hope she would be there. I, I just wanna know if like you have any leader. nemesis
2: is there. <laughs> nemesis. Oh, I don't
1: know th- no one that I know of, but there's definitely some people that I've watched their track record there and there's a zero percent chance I would be trusting their navigation skills. <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> like so there but, is that uh like yeah, whoever wears percent. number wait isn't it number one is like the sacrificial yeah. what if, if you got there you and you had on number her. one I mean it's a possibility really
1: but actually like, I I read a... sacrifice. <laughs> there is a woman who did it recently who got number one and she did quite well and her like race report on it is one of the most informative ones I've read mm-hmm. um and so it doesn't have to be uh it's only a self-fulfilling prophecy if you want it to be okay so, um
2: you know I've obviously but... been watching too many of these like shows yeah. and then I <laughs> so I'm like all into this, but um but I'm but I'm no I, I'm just like curious about the dynamics out there and if you can use people for help and if it's worth using people for help,
1: yeah, I think you just have to see how it unfolds and who you're around and kind of judge the paces and um, you know, I've definitely gotten advice that's like, if you're teaming up with people who are more experienced, like obviously help and things like that. And I think my team experience, adventure racing will be very beneficial in that sense, because, um, you know, I, I kind of understand how the group dynamics can play out in these situations a little bit more than I would have a few years ago. So, um, and I like to think that I'm self-aware enough to not just tag along and like be there for the ride. Right. So I'm not going to ride coattails. I'm I've been doing the work to prep and I should hopefully be a helpful teammate should these situations should it arise to be able to team up.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to be sitting here waiting to hear if and when you get off that wait list, so then we can like really celebrate this, but I'm glad your training trip went well. I'm glad you made it home. And uh, I'm glad you're here and I get to see you again. And hopefully you have a little bit of rest time this week and you can, uh, in you know the comfort of your home in full daylight, finish up the Yellow Jacket season.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super fun to taper for a race that you're not even sure you're going to run. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I Nothing, mean, um, like nice. you know. well, yeah, <laughs> you got to be like, be better than. Like, Although I will say, the
1: hard part is training for the race. You don't know if you're going to run, especially when yeah. the training has been harder things that I've really ever done before in my life. So um that is like an interesting mental dynamic, and you know, I definitely have some like Plan Bs like in my head, but like you don't want to focus on the plan b when plan a is still still quite possible so um yeah we'll cross that bridge but yeah i am definitely looking forward to the the tapering situation that we'll have um and Haley, we have we have a pretty full mailbag here in my my mailbag um arena (laughs) Um, and so we're gonna start going through these uh so we have one for today that came in from lizzie and lizzie Sent the picture of her little pup playing fetch, and she showed me this technique, which is an interesting technique for fetch, where her dog will bring the fetch item back and drop it because in the meantime, Lizzie has like has this other item that she's like, haha, I have like this ball now. And so then the dog drops that and looks for the new. So it's like a constant rotation, which is a very good approach to fetch. Um, but it still requires. Ramona to be as good as Cece and actually still bring that initial one back, right? So we're working on it. But if you want to just send dog videos into the mailbag, we always appreciate them and love them. So thank you, video. Lizzie, for that. But Lizzie, you did have a question. Um about training. She you said that you like the 80 20 concept where you know, like 20% is the hard stuff, 80% is kind of that like easier training aerobic base type of area. Um But your question is, if we watch our heart rate and make sure it doesn't get too high during races or during a race, is it best to kind of table it, not worry about your heart rate too much. Um, During a race, it is hard not to go too hard and you want to avoid completely burning out for the run. So she did an Olympic and felt like she was able to push herself harder without burning out because it was shorter, um, but wasn't sure if that's a good idea for a 70.3. So this is a great question. And Haley, you do heart rate training like in training. So how would you approach this for, for racing?
2: Yeah. So I do, like we've talked about many times, I am pretty, pretty consistent with checking on my heart rate, um, during even easy runs and rides, just making sure I'm going easy enough. And then during hard workouts, having an idea of like where I am and, um, I think that for a 70.3, yes, I like having heart rate. I honestly, I use it a lot of the time to keep myself going hard enough. Um, I think I'm the type of athlete who probably errs a little bit on the side of going not hard enough sometimes. Um, And so, yes, in the first 10 minutes of the bike, I that's not usually a problem. Um, usually like that part, it is like, okay, I my heart rate's really high coming out of the swim. It's like, okay, make sure you're getting fluids in, getting some calories in, starting all of that, taking care of yourself, and then settling in and starting what, you know, whatever heart rate I've been seeing for, or you know, the heart rate I've been targeting for 70.3 type intervals in training, I will try to target around that for the race. And Um, so I think it's especially helpful on the bike because it's sitting there. I use a bike computer right in front of my face and it's also nice if, if you do use a power meter power is, you know, it's a nice metric, but in case something goes wrong and you don't have the power meter and I like to just use both. Um, and for the run it, I, I, so again, I, my problem is usually that I'm not going hard enough and I know what I can hold for, you know, a tempo run and what, you know, what, what heart rate I can hold for about you know, an hour 20 to an hour 30. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. I also will say that for the run, especially it is more about building. So I would prefer to be on the lower end in the first four miles, you know, of that. And if I am a little low in the first couple of miles, that's okay. But then it is about building. I will really want my highest heart rate to be that final mile. And so I want to be able to push myself like that. So it is about pacing and, um and you know making sure i'm i'm going hard but not too hard so it's a mixture of pace and heart rate and then i really like to see it you know if i get to file afterwards and i see that my highest heart rate was that last mile i'm like okay right you did this like you were pushing the hardest in that last mile and so that's kind of how i target it and um and it i I do see how some athletes where it is you know they want to make sure they don't go too hard and i do think I think it could be a good use of that too, probably in the earlier parts of the bike and the run is making sure you don't overcook yourself.
1: Yeah, I would, you know, I don't use heart rate a lot when I'm training. Um, It's more of like a background data that I look at if things are feeling a little off or something, I need another look at things. But, um, you know, and... It's something you always are paying attention to, I think, when you're racing because you're like, oh, my God, like, my heart, you know, like, how are you feeling checking in with, like, your legs and your lungs and your heart rate and kind of making sure it all feels the way you ideally hope it's going to feel on race day, which is great, right, Um, and, like, how it's supposed to. But I think for heart rate specifically, there's definitely times when, like, you – might want to push a little harder because, you know, if people are coming by and you're like, okay, let me just, um, you know, this is someone in my age group or this is someone, you know, for us, it's like a pack, pack of pro women could be coming up on us. Right. And it's like, you need to not draft obviously, but like stay within eyesight and stay within contact of these people. Right. And it's good motivation for you to maybe like pick it up a little bit and see if you can hang on. Um, and so that might elevate your heart rate a little bit, but. Um, I think that like Haley, like you said, like the distance plays into it a lot. And so in something shorter, I'm worrying less about it, like totally burnt, like burning me out. Whereas if it was an Ironman situation and I'm giving a little push and I'm feeling my heart rate rise, I'm going to take note. Like often I'll lap my bike computer and be like, you know, I know based on how I feel that I should only hold this for five minutes at this heart rate. And not go longer than 5 minutes at this heart rate other than I will start burning, you know, otherwise I do start burning those matches way too early. And so I'll lap it out on my bike computer, I'll watch it and a lot of times like the pace does kind of settle, your heart rate settles in, your body is like, "Oh yeah, I can do this and feel good and the heart rate comes back down and you're you're able to do that, right? Um sometimes it doesn't and you're like, "Okay, like those, you know, people are going to ride away from me and that's okay today." Um and so and same with the run like for me, I think I like Haley, like I'm just trying to go harder <laughs> when I'm running for the most part. Right. And so um, and not let myself like be be too comfortable. And so I know I have trained to the point where my heart rate should be like how it should be feeling, basically, um, which is hard for an Ironman run. Like we need to be running pretty hard these days. Right. So to be competitive um, and, you know, as an amateur, I think it's important to do those training runs, right? Some long bricks, some training runs where you feel how your heart rate should feel. So if you're using it in training, like know the numbers, but either way, just kind of understand how it should feel and how that matches up with your goal paces and things like that to help you execute it best on race day. So, um, I don't know, we, you know, hopefully gave you some good advice, Lizzie there. I think that, I don't know, Haley, how would you summarize it? I think that. You want to worry about it, but use it as like a tool, tool in your belt.
2: Yeah. And use training as, as a way to experiment with it. You know, like, um, when I say I run on the treadmill a lot with heart rate and, and I'm specifically not using specific numbers, um, in this conversation, because I do find as a coach, heart rates are all over the place. And so the actual number isn't like as important as like what that means to you and how fast it, you know, what it feels like to you. So I would suggest like using it in training. Like I said, how I did, um, treadmill efforts sometimes. And even when I'm doing those treadmill efforts, like I use a fan, so I'm not like hopefully having my heart rate go up just from getting warm. And I, you know have noon or have water or some kind of fluid there so my heart rate it wasn't just going up because of dehydration um which those are also things that can impact heart rate but you know try to kind of pace things like that like you know look at your heart rate when you're running a certain pace what is that how long can you hold that and then um And maybe if you have in the last couple of minutes, like push it a little bit and see what happens. You know, if you go to a higher heart rate, do you start like, do you get to a point where things start shutting down? Um, I mean, you're going to know pretty quick, but I would suggest doing that toward the end of a workout, not the beginning.
1: And thank you, Lizzie, for writing in and other listeners. You can always send your questions into our mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, we have a quick sponsor reminder for everyone. If you have tried the That's It Fruit Bars or if you, um, you know, heard us talk about them last week and want to try, don't forget because this is good through March 3rd to head to that'sitfruit.com forward slash ironwomen. Use the code ironwomen for 20% off and you can try some of these amazing fruit bars that Haley and I have been loving um, and the Crunchable's. Really good snacks. I know one of my athletes got them for her daughter, who I think is like three, three years old, I think. And it's like a good it, you know, she thinks it's like a treat because I think they taste like a fruit roll up. So um good healthy snacks for kids. They're allowed in schools with no allergy stuff. So stock up this month until March third. Code Iron Women. That's at fruit.com forward slash iron women.
2: Yes, and we have a great interview for you this week. Uh, We are talking to Spanish pro, Sarah Perez-Sala. And you might, if you followed uh, Challenge Miami about a year ago, Uh, Sarah really surprised a lot of us because she swam and rode with Lucy Charles Barclay at that race. And she ultimately finished fourth. It was her debut at a middle distance race. And she followed that up with some great results, more podiums, a second place finish at challenge, the challenge championship in Shamarin, Slovakia last summer, uh, while also mixing in some IT races. She also raced in Abu Dhabi last, uh, like November and, So Sarah has, she's been an elite athlete for a long time. She actually represented Spain in the 2004 Athens Olympics. She swam breaststroke on the four by 100 meter medley relay before she turned her attention to triathlon where she has been mixing it up in the ITU, the draft legal regs, and then now starting to add in some of that middle distance, non drafting racing. So Sarah tells us about her progression in the sport, what she thinks about having grown up with non-athletic parents and how that actually has helped her through her athletic career. And she tells us a little bit about her goals, her triathlon goals for the future. So we'll have that conversation with Sarah perez Sala right after the break. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast.
0: Hello. Thank you for your invitation.
2: So I believe you've been at a training camp in Lanzarote. How
0: is your training going? Uh, my training here is fantastic. The weather is incredible, good because there are sun and good temperature, and here I can train a lot of than usual because here only train and rest and a little uh, work in the computer, and the trainings are are in the in the good way because uh, I started to do the first long rides in the bike and the first long runs uh, also, and I'm happy with the feelings. Those first
1: big ones are always fun to do, especially in a place like Lanzarote. Um, You've posted that you love being untrained, kind of, we're taking that as a quote, um, and being able to do other things when you take a break from regular training. So what is your favorite thing to do when you're not training?
0: I love uh, cooking. Uh, it's my my passion I think and for cooking you need a lot of time and in my normal life uh, with my job and with the trainings it's impossible to pass uh, more time in the kitchens and in the off seasons I I take time and I and I cook a lot of desserts because it's my favorite uh, plan (laughs) and also I enjoy to spend time with my friends because uh normally I can't stay more time with them. And I bet your friends
1: appreciate the desserts too.
0: Yes. <laughs> what, is,
2: what is your favorite dessert?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I love all sugar desserts. <laughs> um, but now here in Lanzarote I did uh, two cakes, uh, one cheesecake and um, one mango cheesecake and tiramisu don- donuts i think is good i want to go in-
2: on a training <laughs> camp with you <laughs> um,
0: uh yeah.
2: so so you did you just returned from a break you returned to training after a break how do you mentally handle being maybe a little bit slower than usual
0: i don't think about it uh because i think Uh, our our body needs a a break and it is and it is impossible to be at 100 percent in in all the year and i think it's good to be a break and and to be slower (laughs) and growing up in the in the season
1: and sarah almost a year ago you raced challenge miami and shocked a lot of people by swimming and riding at the front of the race with Lucy Charles Barclay before, um, with Lucy Charles Barclay before you finished fourth. So were you surprised that you did so well in your first half distance race?
0: Yes, uh, it was a a surprise and it was amazing. And I don't know, I don't have words to describe it. Uh, It was everything new, uh, different distance, different athletes. Uh, it was everything different, and and I I know that my swim is is good, but uh, I want I wanted to try to um, to swim to swim uh, behind Lucy's, and when I was riding in the front, I I feel like wow it's fantastic, and I'm really happy. I think it was the best debut I couldn't have. And I don't know, uh, like an anecdote, for example, uh, in the last 500 uh, meters, um, Jackie Harry passed me and I thought, oh, I lost the four position. And when I arrived to the finish line, my friends uh, said to me, Sarah, uh, you are four. Whoa, no, 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 I'm five. So it was a surprise for me and and, wow, amazing result.
2: And you've raced the draft legal ITU circuit for nearly 10 years. What made you decide to travel to Miami and try the longer distance race?
0: Because I usually train alone. Uh, I love TT bikes and I feel really comfortable in aero in positions. And I want to try in in half distance. But uh, I think the the Miami scenario was perfect for me because it was uh, shorter than pure half distance, and also uh, the city is incredible. I, I love Miami, and I think it was a a good uh, way to start the the season earlier the, earlier than usual. And I come there. <laughs>
1: And you seem like someone who likes to try different things and is up for a new challenge here and there. So we think you also competed in a few cycling races and raced on the Rio Miera UCI cycling team in 2020. What do you think of the professional cycling races and, and that scene?
0: Uh, always my coach, uh, tries to, to do, uh, f- um, new sports. Uh, one year, I, I trained with a BMX uh, bike in a, in a bike park. I competed in cyclocross. And in 2020, I, I decided to try in Rio Miera in UC races. But uh, the first race I, I did, it was uh, incredible because it was the first race after the lockdown and everybody was uh, excited to come back to race. Uh, there were seven uh, world tour teams. So many people, many high, also, um, match level. And I had a crash, a big crash and ended up in the hospital and only did this race. And one month later I did the Spanish time trial championships and i enjoy a, i enjoy it a lot but i think it's really dangerous to compete in cycling and i prefer only competing in time trial champs
1: with bmx and cyclocross your bikes handling skills
0: must be pretty darn good though i would imagine <laughs> no 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 i i compete in cyclocross because my skills were uh was bad and <sighs> And my coach sarah you need uh, to be better in your abilities and and for this uh, i went to a a bike park and and a cyclocross races
2: i think it paid off i saw you handled those turns in uh, miami just great because we could watch a lot of the race um challenge miami last year it had excellent broadcast coverage in the united states And the announcers spent quite a bit of time talking about your bike position and noting how comfortable and aerodynamic you look on a bike. Have you spent a lot of time working on your bike position?
0: Everybody believes that I spend a lot of time in in my aero position. But but, uh, it isn't true because uh, my position is the same that the first time I I put in a TT bike. Only we change the the arms uh, to be near uh, to my face but i'm really comfortable in in the tt bikes and in aero positions so uh before that i have a tt bike my my position in road bike was very similar and for me it's amazing uh ride fast and and to be really aero and it's a motivation for me (laughs)
1: And so what about in training? Because you you do race non-drafting and draft legal races. So how do you split up the time between your time trial bike versus the road bike? It sounds like, you know, it might not be as important a thing if the positions
0: are pretty similar. I usually train with TT bike because uh, I enjoy a lot. It's more comfortable for me. And last year, for example, uh, um. More of my the races was in in no drafting. So I only train with road bike uh, one or two weeks before than the than the race. So I usually train with TT bike. And you
2: you've posted about how online critics will sometimes suggest that maybe you should change your helmet or what you're wearing. But these people often don't know the whole context of your decisions. How do you stay focused on doing what's best for you and not what the anonymous, intimate internet strangers say to do?
0: Uh, I don't listen a lot uh, things about other people. My coach is also my biomechanic, and what he say is what I do. So uh, I don't I don't suggest uh, nothing. Um, Sarah, you need this helmet okay i put this helmet and i think sometimes i can i can share uh, my decisions with other because i think it's interesting for every everybody knows uh, different information and in 2004 you
1: swam the breaststroke leg on spain's four by 100 meter medley relay team at the athens olympics the spanish team finished seventh i think you were only 16 years old in 2004 so Do you remember that Olympic finals experience?
0: Yes, I remember it. Uh, It was amazing. Uh, It's difficult to describe it because I was really younger. And when I was in the swimming pool, I feel really small because the swimming pool and the scenario was incredible big. Uh, It was amazing. Uh, My my friend Nina uh, gives me the, the relay in second position. And it was a blast. Uh I'm I'm doing my my dream and it was incredible.
2: And you've posted that your greatest luck was having non-athletic parents. So how did having non-athletic parents help you become an Olympic level swimmer at such a young age and to continue to create a life as a professional triathlete?
0: Yes, I think uh it's my best uh, lucky because um, I growing up in 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 values uh, like helping to my friends or uh, respect to the rivals, and uh, they they learn me uh, no they le- they teaching me that winning is give winning is <laughs> uh, to be uh, the best of you can and and i don't know uh, i think uh, i i can't i am i didn't have extra pressure because my parents did, didn't know about sports and when your parents are sport people uh, maybe you you have extra pressure to to be once he he was in the past and my parents only want a uh, I was a happy kid and, and enjoy swimming or enjoying what, what, what. And so do you dream of competing
1: in another Olympic games, perhaps again in triathlon next time?
0: <laughs> yes, I dream it. But uh, last year I tried to be in Tokyo, but uh, Spain has uh, only two places. And I was in, in third position in the ranking and it couldn't go it but i tried to be in paris but it is not my obsession now i'm concentrated in half distance but i will continue racing in e two races
2: do you watch the winter olympics are you watching the winter olympics at all no no,
0: no i didn't watch
2: it <laughs> there's still more days you can watch um <laughs> if, i was just curious if you had any interest in winter sports um having gone to the olympics yourself
0: but- yeah uh, I don't know I'm I don't know about the ski or snow and when I see uh, something sports in the snow is whoa but I don't stand I I don't understand uh, about it
2: <laughs> that's okay I don't understand most of them either <laughs> but um uh, but the Hunter Breaststroke, the event that you you swam in the Olympics, it's a pretty short event. It takes just over a minute. And last December, you finished 26th in the WTCS race in Abu Dhabi, which you finished in just under an hour. And we also know that you've raced well in races longer than four hours. You were second at the Challenge Championship last summer in Slovakia. We mentioned Miami. Are you surprised by how well you can perform in both short and long
0: races? Yes, of course. Uh, when I started in triathlon, uh, triathlon was a, a challenge for me. And now I can ride uh, three or four hours in the bike. I can run uh, more than one hour or uh, I can do um, a half distance uh, normally. And when I started, it was a uh, very difficult. I'm I improve it a lot in my aerobic condition, but when I when I have a forge about one or or five minutes, uh, I'm completely uh, feeling good because it's my my nature and I'm feeling really good. So I think I'm improving every year and I try to be better in, in long distance. And you've posted that your normal training week is
1: about 17 hours, which is actually probably less than some other long course professional triathletes. So do you focus on the high intensity workouts, which,
0: you know, might bring your overall training volume down a little bit? I try to, I I would like to train more, but uh, it's difficult for me because uh, I have a job and I have uh, to train. So um, I need to rest, and if I train uh, much, uh, so much, uh, I can't um, I can't assimilate the the trainings. So uh, I have two days with short intervals in swimming, bike, and run, and on the weekends I have uh, long rides and and long runs with longer intervals. So uh, I think so. I have two easy days and the other days are are quality days.
1: (laughs) And what is your job? What
0: do you do in the other half of your life, I guess? (laughs) I'm a swimming personal coach in in a gym. Yeah. Good.
2: (laughs) What is your favorite way to recover between hard training sessions when you do have time to recover?
0: I love uh, cold water, uh, once a week I I have a massage and I think a good meal is, is good to recover. And when I tend really hard, uh, I love uh, to do a Spanish siesta. <laughs> And I think it's the best to recover, <laughs> but usually i I haven't time to a Spanish siesta. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love the Spanish siesta. I feel like I can appreciate that one. When you say cold water, is that like an ice bath?
0: Yes, yes what
2: how long oh, do you stay oh, in hot. oh hot what do you like oh, do, or... do you just like sit in the cold water?
0: yes. And in my gym, in what, um, there, there is um, I don't know the name. It's like a small swimming pool with a really cold water, but uh, now it's broken, oh. and, I, <laughs> and I can go to to cold to cold baths. And it's good because uh, I have hot water and cold water. I I combine both or only. For water and for me it's it's good i love it
1: <laughs> and sarah i'm curious so my coach went to the u.s olympic trials for breaststroke um and she was talking the other day and said she probably couldn't even like turn her feet in the way breaststrokers would to do a proper breaststroke right so do you still swim a bit of breaststroke in your swim training like or is you know are you pretty much freestyle and triathlon swim training at this point?
0: No, usually I, I warm up uh, swimming in freestyle and backstroke and sometimes I have uh, midly intervals. And when I swim uh, breaststroke, I did it with uh, butterfly kicks because it's really, really dangerous uh, now uh, swim with, with breaststroke kicks.
2: I do this if you do them the proper way. I do like the old
1: lady breaststroke, like definitely not proper breaststroke kick, but it is. Even that can hurt, so I can't even imagine what a proper breaststroke kick feels like.
0: Yes, people uh, can have uh, a lot of problems in her in in their knees uh, because it's a natural movement.
2: I agree. I do the same thing now. I do breaststroke arms with a butterfly kick because. It doesn't feel good on my knees. It just feels a little weird. And I didn't swim breaststroke like you, but I swam it. Uh, I swam the 400 IM. And so I definitely did. I, I could do breaststroke. And someone asked me the other day, he was like, Are you just, do you not know how? <laughs> I was like, To do a breaststroke kick. And I was like, I know how. I just don't do it. <laughs> it doesn't it's feel
0: good. Really, it's really difficult. Uh, to embrace stroke well is really really difficult because uh, the legs are uh, completely different as as normal movements.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah, you finished twenty twenty one ranked as the thirty sixth in the 36th woman in the professional athletes organization or PTO rankings, which could qualify you to race in the PTO open events in Edmonton, Canada or Dallas, Texas, in the U S this year, and maybe even represent team Europe in the Collins cup. Do you think we might see you at any of those races this year?
0: I would like to be there, <laughs> but, uh, I think, um, Collins Cup is really difficult because uh, there are um, more powerful girls in, in Europe. So I think uh, it has only eight places and it sounds uh, impossible. But I would like to, to be in Dallas and Edmonton uh, and I will try to, to be in the top 40 in the ranking to be there.
2: What about miami are you planning to head back to miami this year
0: of course <laughs> yes 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 it will be my first race and and i am i am excited because um uh, it will be like a throwback and uh, in miami started all of my professional career in triathlon and i'm motivated for for this race
1: yeah our listeners can't See you. They can only hear you, so they can't see the sparkle in your eye when you talk about Miami. And so, we can definitely tell that that's a special race venue for you. And we'll be excited to watch your whole twenty twenty two season and see what's ahead. I, I I wouldn't say that the Collins Cup would be impossible for you, so we'll just have to wait and see how everything shakes out. But Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. We really enjoyed getting to know you. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow your season?
0: Uh, the best way I think is enjoy uh, every day with trainings and races and your life. And I think it's the motor for, for good races.
1: Thanks so much to Sarah for making the time and chatting with us. It was great to learn more about her and Haley. I'm like super excited because after talking with you both, I have made a huge change in my swim training where I no longer am doing the breaststroke kick I because it's like mine's not good and it's so uncomfortable anyway. I'm now permanently doing butterfly kick with my breaststroke arms, which also, I mean, neither of those are really much better, but it feels better on my legs and my knees. And I feel like you both being super swimmers have given me permission, not that I needed it to do it anyway, but um, yeah, it's exciting for me that I can now feel like validated in doing this.
2: I was just going to say Sarah's conversation about that made me feel very validated because I've had a couple of comments, people being like, do you not know how, or why not? (laughs) And here we have an Olympian who said, who Olympic breaststroker, who says that she doesn't like how it feels and no longer does breaststroke kick. And I mean, the butterfly kick is fine. It's probably faster these days for me anyway. And so, um, yeah. We give everyone permission to do breaststroke, arms, butterfly, kick in any training. If you you can uh, say that Sarah Perez Sala said said it was okay, and so did Alyssa Gadesky and Hayatira. Yeah. There's a long <laughs> list. We'll have like a petition.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. Alyssa anything Alyssa Gadesky tells you is swimming. Totally 100 percent true. Um, Haley, I am clearly getting a little delirious after all of my driving in these last few days. Not a lot of sleep in the last couple of days, so I'm gonna. Make sure to get some better rest. Hopefully, I'll have some exciting news for you in the coming, you know, month or so about Barkley. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep training. I hope your training is going well, and maybe we'll maybe it's about time to pick up next week with a uh, training workout of the week. So I'm giving you advance notice.
2: Oh, thanks, thanks. I pre- I'm glad <laughs> you give me some notice, but hopefully, there's something exciting uh, in my life and my sphere as well. But Alyssa, get some rest, and I will talk to you next week. Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives.
1: Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.
2: All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with, oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from getting so destroyed?
1: I was swimming so much last year and I used TryHard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. TryHard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're gonna need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sidaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of try hard. I think it's like it's definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine.
2: And we have a code right now, too, for anyone who wants to try, you know, <laughs> try try hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the TryHard products with the code 20Feisty, that's two zero Feisty, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20Feisty for 20% off at tryhard.co. Iron Women is excited to announce a new partnership with Bicycle, the largest global marketplace for pre-owned bikes. With more than 20,000 pre-owned and refurbished road, gravel, mountain, and triathlon bikes available, Bicycle connects buyers and sellers on a global scale and makes the process of buying and selling bikes safe, easy, and convenient for riders. We all know there are plenty of marketplaces and classified sites out there, but what sets Bicycle apart is their guaranteed buyer protection, secure payments, simple shipping, and first class customer service. Additionally, when you sell a bike, Bicycle provides a bike box directly to your door and coordinates pickup at a time that works best for your schedule. That kind of service has me swayed and I'm cleaning up one of my old race bikes to sell on Bicycle right now. For a limited time, you can save up to $100 on your purchase at Bicycle by entering the code FeistyTry, all caps and one word, at checkout. That's code FeistyTry at Bicycle.com. B U Y C Y C L E.com. Alyssa, AminoCo has been a long time podcast sponsor. And every time I'm listening to the show and I hear our AminoCo ad, I'm always shocked to hear how AminoCo co-founder, Dr. Robert Wolf has run a marathon in under two hours and 30 minutes, 62 times. I just can't believe that's a real stat. Me either. It is very impressive and it gives me a lot of confidence. Dr.
1: Wolf knows what he's talking about when it comes to performance and recovery. I actually took Aminoco
2: HEAL before and after my recent knee surgery. I've been using HEAL a lot after really big workouts, as I've started to ramp up my training. And I also use my personal favorite Aminoco perform before and during my hardest sessions.
1: Do you have a favorite flavor
2: for perform? I definitely go with the strawberry lemonade. It has a really light flavor and a little bit of caffeine that I think helps keep me focused during my really tough intervals. And for heel, I like vanilla. I just feel like vanilla gets me into recovery mode. What about you? The vanilla heel is my favorite too. I find it mixes really well into my post-workout shakes that I make. Wait, what do you put in your shakes?
1: Well, oftentimes just whatever I have in the fridge, sometimes vegetables, sometimes collagen, you know, whatever I have. Summer shakes are way more interesting because it's like, I make them cold. The winter shakes are a little less fancy.
2: Do you ever add snow to your winter shakes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start doing that now. I don't know. Make sure it's clean snow. I am not quite as fancy. I just add water. It, I think it still works pretty well. But uh, well, however you like your Amino Co, you can rest assured that in clinical trials, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than doubled by athletes using Perform and Heal was shown to trigger muscle growth and repair better than other high quality protein sources.
1: Head to AminoCo.com slash Ironwomen to see very large photos of me and Haley using AminoCo products. Then select your favorite products and use code IRONWOMEN for 30% off at checkout. First-time purchases
2: also come with a free gift. That's AminoCo.com forward slash Ironwomen and code IRONWOMEN for 30% off.